Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. Along with me today, J.C. Allen, to break down all things Joe Tryon, Shoyenka, what a force this guy has become in a very short amount of time for the Bucs. Oh, yeah. Wait until the regular season. We've got to talk about him. We've got lots of Bruce Arians comments to get to today. A potential COVID situation hanging over the Bucks organization. Uh, we'll see what happens. Nothing right now, but with the test for Mike Vrabel being positive, we'll talk a little bit about maybe what to expect there and how that stuff's going to get handled a little bit this season. Uh, like I said, we've got a lot to talk about just with the Bucks players in terms of skill on the field today uh, as well, JC. And so I'm excited, man. It's going to be a good little Monday night show. Nice to be on in the evening, too. Absolutely. Love these little Monday nighters. Everyone's, you know, settled down, had some dinner, relaxing. Now they've just flip open their pot and surprise, boom, pewter reports on. So right. uh, the four o'clock is kind of hard for some people to get to. So, I mean, a nice nighttime. We should have a lot of activity. Looking forward to engaging with you guys on there and, and bring the comments, bring the questions. Let's go. Absolutely. And reminder, right off the top of the bat, if you're not subscribed to the Pewter Report podcast, get subscribed because we are dropping some news on today's show about content we will be doing this season on this channel. So if you're not subscribed, go to Pewter Report TV on YouTube. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, hit the bell for notifications, and then tell somebody, hey, these guys are awesome. If you think we're awesome, if not, tell them the truth. But hopefully you think we're awesome by the end of the show, at least. So we got to talk about our friends over at Celsius because they're the sponsors for today's show, as they are for all of the Pewter Report podcasts. We are super thrilled and proud to always have Celsius as our title sponsor. If you haven't tried Celsius energy drinks, you are missing out, folks. The taste is unbelievable. It's healthy for you. There's no sugar. The, the energy that it gives you doesn't drop off like you get with other energy drinks. That's the amazing thing. And the amount of flavors that they can come up with without getting unhealthy and still taste great uh, is pretty incredible. I'm drinking the blueberry pomegranate. What do you have there? Is that the orange? Yeah, I got the, you know, classic orange. You know, you classic want some orange, orange juice. You want some orange soda. Boom. Celsius instead, you know, yeah, gives a little bit of energy. Right. Get some get some stuff done when the kids go to bed. You know, how, you know. You got to have it for the evening shows, right? I mean, it's a must. So make sure you go to Celsius.com and check out uh, which Celsius, the store locator, use it to find out which Celsius you can get near you. But also you can go to Amazon too and you can get your Celsius on there and you can get a variety pack. You can get all kinds of stuff. Do the subscribe and save, save a bunch of money, get them coming to your house regularly. It's the way to go. Um, And you can also click on those banner ads over at pewterreport.com when you see Celsius pop up as well. Uh, Make sure that uh, you get yourself some. All right, uh, speaking of getting yourself some, the Bucs might have got themselves a heck of a first-round pick. And before we get into Joe Tryon Shoinka, this is kind of a trend in Tampa Bay that is getting to be (laughs) a little bit preposterous. You just don't see the type of draft success. And, of course, I don't want to count chickens before they hatch, obviously, but when you're around a guy and you watch a move and you study the position as long, I don't know, man, like, there isn't a person in that organization right now that doesn't think they just got a special player, number 32 overall. Oh, not yeah. just good. I'm not talking about good. I'm talking about like TJ Watt was a steal to the Steelers at 28 or wherever they took him in the back end of the first round. That type of pass rush, uh, you know, like that type of an outcome. Like that's the player I believe that they think they got. And it's hard to argue with the results so far. Obviously, we're only talking about preseason, but I'm watching the way players move and the way. From that perspective, there's just not a lot left to be desired for Joe Tryon Shanko. But before we get into him super in-depth, let's just talk about Light's draft history, JC. This is getting pretty insane how well he's drafted, isn't it? Oh, oh yeah. And it's like, especially the last two years, he's had prospects fall into his lap. That I'm not saying, you know, Tryon Shanko is going to be an all-pro this year, pro bowler, you know. Heck, Tristan Wirfs wasn't. But – you know, you look at all the prospects that at edge rusher that were drafted ahead of him, and you know everyone had the Quiddy Pays and uh, Jalen Phillips ahead of him, and you know you had guys like Makai Becton and Andrew Thomas potentially, and you know he's getting the last guy right. Tryon was yeah. like the one that we the, the last pass rusher we thought that was really going to be able to make an impact uh, early on, and 
they just fell in his lap, just like Tristan Wirfs fell on their lap. And you've got to be absolutely ecstatic with how the last two drafts have panned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Hainsey looks great when he's healthy so far. Picking up the center position gives you multiple. Kyle Trask is going to be a, 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 you know, a project. Darden, I mean, we've already talked about Darden up to our ears already, how he can't even run with the third and fourth and you know barely runs with the second units. Right because he's blowing out the corners out of the water. So just his draft alone, but then you go back further drafts. I mean, starting with Mike Evans, he's had some hiccups since then, but I mean, Vita Vea, Devin White, I mean, the last three drafts have just been oh, incredible yeah. for him. I mean, really the last four, honestly, going back to, to now, if we're counting this year's, we're, we, you're right, we should pump the brakes and be patient yeah. for sure. But this actually, actually, no, we're not going to do that. I mean, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't a show to pump the brakes, right? Like this is a show to talk about how this guy looks ridiculous. And like, I don't like when people are always like, Oh, let's wait for this. Let's wait for that. Our job is analysts, right? Our job is to try and predict what's coming, right? What, the, what are, is in store for this team or for this player? So I don't think it's jumping the gun. And now if I said Joe Tryon's going to be a hall of famer, now that's a little bit ridiculous. You know, now we're yeah. too early for something like that. That requires a lot of different things, not just him being good. Um, so there's a lot that goes into all those kinds of things. But just saying, I think this is going to be a hit as a pick. No, that's like our job. That's what we're supposed to do. I scout these guys for a reason. I don't scout it to stay on the fence. Joe Tryon Schrenko was not somebody I was nearly as high on as the Bucks were or a lot of NFL teams, if, he, if you believe Although he fell to 32, so a lot of teams probably did not have a first-round grade on him. And, uh, yeah, I just – it's a little bit shocking. I was talking to Carmen Vitale today at practice, and I was like, how did this happen? Like, are the Bucks confused about how this happened? <laughs> like, I, you know, and we hadn't seen him since 2019, and he looked like a different player on that tape, so that's the only explanation for how it happened. But even if you look at Jason Light's recent draft history, just look at the first-rounders, right? I mean, to hit on four first-round picks in a row – is very mm. difficult to do. So Vita Vea in 2018, that was a slow start, but it looks like a hit now. Devin White in 2019, he was, I mean, I don't think he's a top 30 player in the NFL, like the NFL top 100 list just put him at, but Devin White is on his way to being one of the best linebackers in the league. Like that, yeah. that that's the way it looked at the end of last season. Tristan Wirfs, I mean, I think he's already in the conversation yeah. for the best right tackle in the league. Now you've got a guy like Joe Tryon, who to me is more talented physically and athletically and is definitely made of the right stuff. No question about that from anybody in the organization or myself in the couple conversations we've been able to have with him. Just a highly impressive dude. Now you've got him. I think he's you know more talented than than JPP, or, who was very talented coming out. Um, more talented, certainly physically and athletically, athletically than Shaq Barrett. So Man, it just looks like not only did they get good players, but like you could make a, I mean, right now you'd probably make an argument that Werfs, White, and Vail are all top 10 at their position. I wouldn't argue with you at all about that. No, I mean, I don't, I I can't. I mean, yeah, Werfs is definitely a top 10 right tackle. Uh, Vita Vea, I think this is his breakout year where he cements himself as, you know, I've been calling him Aaron Donald Light, you know, because he's, He's got the same attributes and can do the, some of the same things. And he puts it all together in a fully healthy season. I think he's going to cement himself as a top 10 defensive tackle in the league if he's not already. And then Devin White is, I mean, he was ranked, what, the third best linebacker in the league by players last year, coming in at 28 behind Warner and Wagner. And the first so, best by GMs and personnel people in ESPN's poll. Yeah, so, I mean, these are people who, I mean, we study, we analyze, we, you know, we do a lot of stuff with these, with these players, but you're talking to players who play against them and, and, you know, guys who put far more, you know, I wouldn't say far more, but, you know, a good amount of tape and, and time invested into these players, and they've already got them. I mean, you can even go down the list. I think Antoine Winfield Jr., I mean, he's right on the cusp of being, uh, if he puts another strong season together and, you know, as he has said and as Bowles have said, plays a little bit more looser out there and gets, gets some more turnovers, I think he's right on the edge of a top 10. I think Carlton Davis is right on the edge of a top 10 player. Um, so I, I think they're just really all the way around the last couple of years of drafting have been really incredible by Jason Light. And even going back to 2017, I mean, OJ Howard hasn't panned out the way you want it. But Justin injuries Evans, have played a huge part in that exactly. too. So I'm glad I mean, you brought him up because, yeah, I, I tend to whole, agree with you. I don't know that he would make the pick again, but I also think OJ Howard has had two seasons now where he looked like he was on his way and he was derailed yes. by injury at a position that's very thin across the league. Would not have been a stretch of the imagination to say that OJ Howard had that type of potential to be a top 10 player at his position. 
for sure. Now we'll yeah. maybe we'll never know because of injuries. We'll see. I mean, yeah, that draft I'll, class. Yeah, but that you're right. That draft class. I mean, Justin I mean, Evans and Kendall Beck would look really good when they were healthy, and then yeah. unfortunate injuries right. derailed their career and forced them out of the league. I mean, Chris still Godwin, Godwin out of a draft exactly, like that. one of exactly. the worst luck drafts so far, considering how much time OJ Howard's missed and two career-ending injuries for Justin Evans and Kendall Beck with in just a couple years they played. Yeah. I mean, really, by their third season, they were both just cooked. Um, that just no, doesn't really happen because yeah. of injuries very often, especially two guys that early of picks. I mean, top three rounds. You're that talking promising. About. That promising, yeah. That So to be able to bounce back from that, when you take all the asterisks in that 2017 draft, yeah, 2016 was like rock bottom. We People don't talk about fired. 2016. Right? Yeah. It was a horrible draft. <laughs> no question, it was a horrible draft. But even if you look the year before, like – Jameis Winston was the first overall pick, and obviously that didn't work out, but everybody in the league would have taken yeah, him or Mariota first, and neither of them have worked out, and that's just the way it goes. So I don't yeah. fault him one bit for yeah. that pick. He had the first pick. Then Donovan Smith, you not only draft him, you develop him. Everybody said that was a bad pick at the time. Mm. Now he's on his third contract. Like Ali Marpet at 61. Should have been in the top school. 100 list. <laughs> yeah, small school. I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. And a small school guy, and you take him, you develop him. Quan Alexander played his best football in Tampa Bay. Now he can't, you know, he's struggled since then. But he's played his best football of his career. Those were your first four picks in your second draft. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Then you talk about Mike Evans in the first draft. Obviously, he's only gotten better and learned. But I think we gave, yes, the 2016 draft was bad, and the Bucks were bad. So it made it seem like Jason Light should be fired. <laughs> and I think even at the time, myself and my my youth and my foolishness probably was like, yeah, this is looking pretty rough for old buddy. But my gosh, like <laughs> he has turned it around in an incredible way. You oh, mentioned yeah. the 2017 draft, but even 2018, man, to be able to get Carlton Davis and Alex Kappa and Jordan Whitehead with your mm. fourth, fifth and sixth picks in that draft. <laughs> remember, they traded back to get Vita Vea, they added a second rounder. I know MJ Stewart didn't work out. That was a bad pick, obviously. But you've gotten Vita Vea, Ronald Jones, Carlton Davis, Alex Kappa, Jordan Whitehead. Out of one draft, Justin Watson's been a special teamer in the fifth round. I mean, Suchi then you come back. And, right, like you come back the next year, you get De- Devin White, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, Mike Edwards, Anthony Nelson's honestly having a pretty good preseason. I watched the tapes. He doesn't get physically tossed by anybody. To get a capable backup in the fourth round at that position, he's never going to be a pass rusher. But the fact that he can come in and not get physically, like physically, just a huge liability. Like that in the fourth round, like that's the kind (laughs) of what you want. want. Like what you get in there, you know? Right. And I know Matt Gay didn't work out necessarily in Tampa Bay, but I don't think he was even horrible in Tampa Bay. I think Sucker was just better. And then and he's Scotty killing it for the Rams, I know. Yeah, he's killing so. it for the Rams. Scotty Miller in the sixth round. Like, we're talking about a ridiculous – if Tyler Johnson becomes what we think, but for this, like, this is – Worfs, Winfield, Tyler Johnson in the same draft, I don't even care about the rest. Like, <laughs> Hey, I mean, don't count out Sneak, too. I think Sneak's got a lot to prove and a lot to show. I, I don't think anybody in the league can hold a candle to this, though, right, JC? Like, no other GM. No, people I are going to talk about Chris Ballard because he talks to the media and all this stuff. And I get yeah. it. And, you know, same thing with Brandon Bean. And, oh, he says all the inspiring things. And I'm, they're great GMs, no question. But look at their draft history and look at Jason Lights. Tell me there's a better drafting GM right now in the NFL than Jason Light. Better I talent evaluator than Jason Light. I don't see one. And I think not only that, I think he's making all the right moves in free agency too, especially yeah, now that point. he's got a confident coach and that, you know, they know the direction where they want to go. And obviously Tom Brady was huge, but then bringing in the subsequent guys, people want to, you know, a guy that we have been talking about nonstop was signed off the street, Ross Cockrell, you know, and then re-signed for two years, getting him for two mm-hmm. years at that contract. Great value. I've been huge on high on him throughout this whole time. And him being able to play safety is just an added bonus. But not only that, I mean, yeah, some of these guys, like you said, talk to the media and this and that. And Jason Light drinks beers on a boat. So, I mean, if you go, you've got a relatable guy, he's chicken wings. He's got a little bit of a beer gut. You know, he's just having a great time out there. You know, the personality that he's got when it shines through is great, too. So, I mean, you got a personable GM who's killing it in the draft the last four or five years and who's killing it in i mean you got tom brady i mean come on i mean i know he didn't have to sell tom so much on coming to tampa but i mean i mean the fact that he didn't win gm of the year last year was shockingly atrocious not just because i mean (laughs) of the draft picks but also bringing in tom brady and then gronk and then fournette and then one of the best off seasons of all time for a gm like 
giving the award to anybody else is the, so disrespectful <laughs> and was. so ignorant. I can't even go like an all time off season. Like people like, Oh, well he got Brady. First of all, he got way more than that. But <laughs> second of all, he got Brady. Like yes. we were not talking about it. Like grade a big market. This isn't the Dallas Cowboys. Like he sold Brady on Tampa Bay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> come on like oh. Oh, it's it's dude. it's crazy and you know what i don't even think he gets recognition even if the even if the bucks don't make it to the super bowl this year from whatever injuries or just whatever play reason anything can happen once you're in in the playoffs i still don't think he'll get it this year for bringing all 22 getting creative with the contract structure to bring everybody back 25 really you brought back triner and suck up too so you brought all your starters and your special teamers but i still don't think he'll get the the amount of credit that he deserves you know especially going out there and drafting a guy like Joe Tryon and drafting, you know, a guy like Jalen Darden, who I think will see the field in some packages as a wide receiver yeah. as well as a return man. It's crazy. And, and this year's draft, I mean, the, the expectations are so low. They draft at the end of every single round. There wasn't a deep draft to begin with. There were all the challenges of the Question year marks. opt-outs and all of this stuff. The Bucs literally didn't even have room on their roster for certain no. position groups. So it's they so had low. to take players like, I don't want to excuse the Cal Trask pick if it doesn't work out. I won't. But they had to take players like that because they didn't have room at other spots on their roster. Like there weren't spots for people to make it or play long, you know, in the in the near no. future. And so why not take a swing on a player like that? And and I think, you know, I've said my opinion on Trask. I think he's a career backup, but Hainsey has been looked way more promising in the practices that we've seen him. And I'm excited. Bruce Aaron said today oh, yeah. he'll make his debut on Saturday. So a lot to look forward to there. And you mentioned Darden has looked good too in the fourth round. You know, if you can get a third or fourth receiver out of him, a return <laughs> guy out of him, that's a hit. You know, that's what you're looking for exactly. that, and with that type of a pick. So good points there. I don't want to spend too much special time. Special teams led the way afterwards. Out. You know, where yeah. can we have, what else can we address at special teams? Grab a couple linebackers and a cornerback. Always invest quarterback and cornerback. Always invest in your secondary and, and your and your signal call. Yep, you know I mean? for sure. No question. Completely agree with it. He's flooded both positions. He's done what he's had to do at both positions to make the team very, very competitive, obviously. So um, a couple questions before we get to Joe Tryonchenka, uh, just because I don't want to miss these. With Mike Vrabel testing positive for COVID, are there concerns regarding close contact with players like Brady? Uh, not sure, Harvinder. It's a good question. We aren't exactly sure who would have had close contact with Vrabel in the window where they believe he could have had COVID. So that probably matters too. Mm. We certainly saw Brady and his son, Jack talking in close proximity to Vrabel. And then before the game, I believe there was a shot of our Cliff Welch, our photographer had a shot of Vrabel and Arians and Brady talking. I don't know your exact distance. It looks like they're close from six feet, at least to Arians. We'll see. I really don't know um, what that's yeah. going to, I don't know what's going to come of all that. All we know is that here we are a couple days later uh, since for the Bucks last saw Vrabel and they do not have the, any positive COVID results uh, yeah. in Bruce Arians today. So that's all we can go off of right now. Certainly it's something that bears monitoring. They'll continue to get everybody tested, obviously. And um, But the other thing is, I believe, with vaccinated players, which Brady is, in which Bruce Arians is, obviously, vaccinated players and coaches, I believe the protocols are different if you are in close contact. Tom Pelissero talked about that a little bit today on Pat McAfee's show. I believe – you are not a high danger close contact or something like that if you're vaccinated unless you test positive, something along those lines. So we'll see how that – obviously these policies are always changing right now, yes. and, and they should be. I mean, that's the reality of the climate that we're living in. But that is the advantage maybe for vaccinated personnel in that point, and the Bucks are near 100% vaccination. So the concern probably – is limited to a few players who may or may not have been close contacts with Vrabel at, at all at this point. So hopefully that answers your question as well as I'm capable of answering it. Richard wants to know, how does the media know which players and coaches are going to hold a press conference? This is actually a great question. Um, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> well, you go ahead. You answer this one, JC, because you kind of know how it works. Yeah. La last year, it was a lot different because it was, everything was over Zoom. So you would get, you know, a release the next the, the day before. And it was great because you could prep questions and stuff like that. And and John will tell you sometimes now because, they're you know, COVID's kind of um, – taken away from the zoom and they're doing in-person interviews at practice you kind of never know who you're gonna get and it kind of just pops up and sometimes you, you're expecting one person but then the other person you know he's got something going on so he cancels so it's kind of a surprise you're, you're either gonna get bruce arians every day or either uh byron leftwich or or um 
Todd Bowles, one of those. They like to give him a day off every now and then. But as for players, it's just who knows? I mean, it's just yeah. the, the luck of the draw. Last year, I thought it was a little easier with Zoom because I could, you know, prepare questions and have time to think other than just be like, all right, so-and-so's coming up. And you're like, okay, what can I think about? Let me make sure this is a question someone before me is going to ask, you know, because, uh, you know, Rick Stroud and Greg Allman are always the first to ask a question and they ask great questions. So, you know, I'm like, let me make sure that it's not a question that's going to be too easy that they're going to ask. But yeah. it's a, it's, yeah, it's a crapshoot. I don't know if yeah. you want to expand on that at all. No, it's a good question though, Richard. I think I like when people ask these behind the scenes questions, you know, you wonder how it works and everything. And that makes sense. And most of the time we don't know uh, after a game, it's pretty guaranteed. We'll get the head coach and the quarterback um, for sure. And then after that, it's kind of who played well, who stood out during the game, who were kind of the leaders for the team. Some teams will, I mean, if a guy like struggled in a game and he's one of the better players on the team, sometimes they'll put him up there and have them answer questions and that's always helpful for us and you know sometimes the player gets it and they want to be but the best I mean nothing will replace like open locker room you know that was where we could kind of go in and be able to ask players whatever um, and and just kind of be able to have one-on-ones with players and gain their confidence and relate to them and so not having that because of COVID has really hurt uh, sports journalism I think especially a lot of the beat writers um, people who rely on the news and breaking things and getting inside perspective from players to be able to produce content that's not been the same. So the, the presses are good. The zooms are good. You know, it's fine, but it's not how it used to be for us in terms of that kind of access. So that is one part of COVID that's really impacted us a lot for sure. But a good question, Richard, uh, we'll try and shed whatever insight on that we can as we go. But like today after practice, I found out right before the end of practice, we were getting Tanner Hudson, Mike Edwards, and Antonio Hamilton. And it was just like, all right, let's, let's roll, you know? So what can I, let's take some questions real quick. That's right. Yeah. Mike wants to know how many receivers are kept. Who is the odd man out? Will we lose a good prospect? Um, going to guess that six receivers at least are kept for sure. Mike, maybe seven. Yeah. And that's probably the conversation happening right now. If it's seven, does Travis Johnson make this final roster? Does Jaden Mickens make this final roster with Justin Watson hurt? Um, you know, Bruce Arians and Jason Light, definitely want to keep travis johnson oh, yeah. um will it be on the active roster or will they try and get him on the practice squad we'll see but they he is a player he is kind of like their plan c tyler johnson is plan b and travis johnson is probably plan c for the godwin potential exit if that happens in the future they want to be prepped for that and so he yeah. talked a little bit today about travis johnson potentially being a guy that could do some of those things down the road. So we'll see. Uh, but that is my thought, Mike, is that they're going to want to keep at least seven, I think. Yeah, I, I think they're kind of going back. And, and we mentioned this in the group chat today. I think you mentioned, actually. Um, do they keep seven wide receivers or do they keep, you know, that fourth tight end? And that's, I think, that the conversation they're having with Tanner Hudson and and Travis Johnson and Jaden Mickens. I feel like Jaden Mickens, who had a strong camp, is kind of – you know, he's kind of out of the picture a little bit here. I think it's more Travis Johnson. And as you mentioned, Bruce brought him up today when talking about, you know, uh, the blocking in the run game. His, his exact quote is, uh, I think Travis Johnson is a guy in the future that can be, a, a, that might be another guy that's got size and physicality to go out there and do that as a wideout. So there, he's definitely, as you said, in their future plans, whether they can sneak him on the practice squad. Um, is a is a big question because obviously you know everyone wants to go out there and play and have a chance to get get game time on Sundays. So um, it's going to be really interesting to watch who gets snapped up off waivers. Everyone wants to scoop up the Super Bowl champions guys and see if they can you know at least if anything bring that um, impact to their locker room. You know Super Bowl right. champion, what was it like? You know whatever. And uh, there's a lot of guys, especially in that wide receiver room, I think could help a lot of other teams. So. For sure. It's going to be a team that people watch on cut down day because it is such a deep roster, especially at certain positions. Chris wants to know how we, what's our take on Jamar Chase? And this is a non-box question. We don't get many of these, but uh, I don't know what he means by picking up where he left off at LSU with all the drops. Jamar Chase had the best college football season of all time for a wide receiver, unless you want to count Devontae Smith's season last year, which was, if you look at degree of difficulty, not as difficult as what Chase had to go through in the SEC against literally like seven number one corners who were all <laughs> starting in the NFL today in an offense that was incredibly vertical. I just am not sorry. It's going to take a lot for me to be worried about Jamar Chase. You do already have two things, the drops in the preseason and the fact that he plays for the freaking Bengals. Like that's, <laughs> that's a big worry right there. I mean, but if the Bengals w waste and ruin Chase and Burrow, I think you got to go with 31 teams. Just cut them straight out. because. 
I'm you not, can't give him prospects like that and just <laughs> just not sold on the borrow the whole borrow thing yet. I need to see it. I need to see it again. One year wonder is always at quarterback. Always, you know. I know you're reuniting him with his wide receiver, and let's see what happens. But hey, you know, uh, we'll see. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about Joe Tryon Shoyanko. But before we do, let's talk about our friends over at LivingGolfLife.com. Got to tell the people you can see. There it is. The mug, the Living Golf Life mug, and the Living Golf Life koozie we got going on up here on the shelf behind me. But livinggolflife.com, these guys are doing some awesome stuff. If you visit their website, they've got all kinds of accessories, clothing, apparel, all kinds of stuff, koozies, glasses. Uh, you could check out their polos are very nice. You've seen me rock the hat before, the Living Golf Life hat on this show. Um, so they've got some great stuff going on at livinggolflife.com. No question about it. Check it out if you're a golfer. Make sure that you pick up kind of what these guys are doing because guys with military background, it's great to support them. And, and this is kind of their dream, this site and golf in general, they're not great at it. They they're open <laughs> about that. Uh, Mike and Jim, but they just, they love getting out on the golf course, throwing a few back, having a good time with the fellas. So they decided to pour that into a business and they are kind of creating this uh, livinggolflife.com that is just has some awesome designs, some awesome looking stuff, um, honestly, from the hats and the accessories to the polos as well. So if you're a golfer, and I know a lot of you are, check out livinggolflife.com. Get yourself a polo, get yourself a hat, get yourself some accessories, or get them as a gift for other people as well. So livinggolflife.com. Make sure you check them out. All right, JC. Especially in COVID time. You know, we're still not out of COVID. Small businesses are struggling. They're, you know, local business. Check them out. Give them a shout. Yeah, they're great stuff. Great people too. Um, All right. Joe Tryon, Shoyinka. I got a few clips. I had to. I said, listen, I got to express it. You know what I mean? I got to like let people know what I'm seeing like here. That gets me so excited about this player. You know, a lot of people saw week one and I think they even saw my article that I wrote. I was like, wow, he was really impressive in week one. Um, And he was like, it was a really impressive showing for him. I think that it was just the beginning in some ways. Like we saw he moved. Like check out this, check out this cross chop move here and just how he feels this out. You can see him kind of at the top of the screen, at the bottom of the screen there off the edge. He's just feeling this whole thing out, right? Like the guy's arms are just sitting there. He's not punching. Okay. Cross chop. And then you can see the lean as he works to the quarterback. It's just some impressive, impressive stuff. And then I was like, the one concern I had after preseason week one, I said, okay, he's, he's got it as a pass rusher, but I mean, his run defense is going to take time. He kind of got tied up with blockers and didn't find the ball that well um, in the run game. It wasn't like he allowed anything huge, but he's so explosive and so strong that he's going to be disruptive at the very least. I thought, Mm. well, in one week, he looked like a different player against the run. Like I'm not saying long-term what he's going to be against the run because that's way more technical and harder to scout. You have to have a larger sample size to scout Mm. that than, than pass rush really. Um, but just look at this play. Like here he is against the tight end. Do not disrespect him. Are you kidding? Do not disrespect this man. <laughs> like, are you serious right now? Look at this bench press, find the ball, get off the block, make the tackle. I mean, just outstanding stuff. Like that's physically manhandling a dude. That's the second oh, yeah. play of the game. Like just no contest type of stuff for a rookie. Like that's not who hasn't played football in forever like two years that's just stuff that it freaks you out jc when you see that kind of explosiveness and that kind of power oh oh yeah i mean we talked about it too if you that first clip you 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 watch his footwork too and the way he gets off the ball i mean he's not one of the biggest things john we talked about all the way up leading to the draft and we brought up try on was can he fix his footwork that's one of the biggest knocks on him that we've seen was his footwork I haven't seen any issues with it. I mean, yeah. maybe once or twice, but really, I mean, he's not, his movements are sure and he knows what he's doing. When, and it, the way he fires off the ball um, is just, and his array of pass rush moves already for a rookie, you know, the ways he can beat you. I mean, the bull rush, he's got the chop, he's got different things that he can use to get out to the quarterback and just to throw a tackle off balance. And I mean, you, you just saw that pure power on the yeah. tight end and, Right. We're, I think we're just scratching the surface here. Yeah, no, it's a great point. I'm glad you brought up the array of pass rush moves. That's a huge thing for him. Not only does he have this array of moves, he already kind of knows how to set them up, which there's some things like two things physically, two things to me about his game are just so strange for a player that this age, especially who's coming off a year off of football, 
physically his ability to manhandle people is crazy to me. Like it just, it does not just about being big and strong. Like it's not about those kinds of things. You also have to have some instinctive measure for football, like where to place your hands, how to place your hands, your hands to discard someone. Like it's not just about being strong. There's way more to it than that. Um, And so the fact that he can do all that already Again, it's kind of crazy. Here's an example of kind of what I mean by the pass rush move. So you've got him here again and all these reps. He's the left outside linebacker. You've got him here and he is going to do a two hand stab. I paused it there so you can see. And then the bull, right? Okay. So two hand stab. He's literally just knocking that guy backwards. That's just a speed to power rush. He probably didn't even expect it to go down like that. I don't think he expected to get this kind of impact when he did it. I think he was going to transition to another move. And he's learning his power. And I'll show you what I mean by that later. Like he's learning how much he's jarring guys because not just that he's strong, but the explosiveness of the first step. Think about it just scientifically, like the momentum that he creates moving forward because of how explosive he is, is creating a lot of this for him. Then on the sack. So he did this a couple of times. He did this speed to power. You know, I'm going to long arm you. I'm going to stab you. I'm going to bull rush you type of move. So Radoons, the tackle here, is a rookie as well, is taking a few spots after Tryon, was, is leaning now. He's starting to try and get into Tryon before Tryon can get into his frame. And then you can see the deception. That punch before Tryon can And then you can see Tryon just kind of wrap You're him up. You're muted. And, and yeah. You're you muted during see, the clip. Yeah, you could see Tryon kind of wrap him up and then hold him, you know, as he, as he gets through there. But his ability to kind of long arm stab and then in, and outreach people or bull and outreach people, you know, I think it's one of those things that's going to help his game so much because as he can work those speed to power, speed to power, he gets guys leaning, he gets guys trying to grab him, he gets guys trying to beat him to the punch, then you're going to slip and use that bend to go around guys. But I mean, just to move like he does, not only to explode, but to bend like he does while maintaining speed to turn those corners, that's just freaky rare stuff. Like that's not stuff that I don't have a lot of analysis for. It's just like you're just a freak. You know what I mean? (laughs) So he's combining knowing how to pass rush with being a freak, and he didn't play football last year. Like that is just so crazy. Like you just don't see rookies do this stuff. I watch them every year, and you can see this play too. Just, I mean, just man speed to power. Like, and he doesn't even, he's not even expecting this, JC. Like, he, this is a surprise to him. He's trying to go speed to power and then work off of it. He can't believe the guy fell. Like, he loses contain. <laughs> so, I mean, they probably knocked him in the film room for this. <laughs> he loses contain here. But, I mean, come on. Like, this is, this is absurd. Like, this is the NFL and you're just pulverizing people. Yeah, and, put that and Dylan the tight end clip I showed earlier. Dylan Radons was, you know, he was a highly thought of prospect at one point, considered a late first round, uh, potential late first round pick by some pundits. So, I mean, you look at the guy, and one thing also we said too is he's he's a little raw. You know, he's got all the physical attributes. The guy looks like an action figure. You know, cooked up in a lab, and he's got all the. What is not, was it not? Who was it that yesterday? It was like. You see, as a twelve pack, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Who was that? Grant Stewart or somebody? I forget. They were like, they was like, what? Why do you say he's a monster? And they were like, Did, have you seen him? I'm like, he has a twelve pack. <laughs> he's got a, he's got a twelve pack. But I mean, yeah, we, we, you know, we kind of we talked about, you know, how oh, it could take a little while. You know, he's raw, whatever. But obviously, he did a lot of work last year when he opted out, which was, you know, very encouraging and very, you know. Um, obviously great for his development, but just like we talked about Tristan Wirfs, the first round pick from last year, you know, his ability to go up against guys like Shaq Barrett and JPP helped him tremendously to be the guy that he was going into the season. Well, what now he's going up against a guy like Tristan Wirfs and Donovan Smith on every play, which is helping his progression. Plus he's got two fantastic teachers. And, you know, if you look in the field, JPP had some veteran days off. He was still out there. He was coaching the guys. So, you know, he's given him all the tips and advice that he needs. And and same thing with Shaq Baird. And they're just really pouring into them their knowledge. And plus, I don't know if you guys know, Larry Foote wasn't that bad of an outside linebacker himself. So uh, he's getting he's getting uh, knowledge from everywhere, from the coaching staff, from the players. And he's getting experience of going against, you know, in my mind, an all-pro right tackle. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, if he plays the way he did the last eight games, a yeah. Pro Bowl right, a left tackle. So yeah. it, it's just great for his development as well and be able to use those and and really discover. And plus, you know, these these players are helping each other grow too. So Tristan, you know, hey, instead of using this move, use this move. Or, you know, same thing with Shaq and JPP. Instead of when you see him doing this, dude, it's just – the, the guy's going to be a freak. If it's not this year, his breakout season is going to be next year on JPP, but I could still see him getting seven, nine, seven to nine sacks this season as a designated pass rusher. I just, right. I think he's picking it up too quick and he's not going against guys like this in the regular season. I agree with you. Someone asked, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I scrolled past the comment here, but someone asked, you know, what, what does Todd Bowles do here? Uh, yeah, here we go. Long lost Glazer asked, "Is Joe Tryon Shoyinka JTS for short?" Yes, we'll start calling him JTS eventually, here, especially on Twitter. Uh, ability to get seven yards deep so quick allow Bulls to dial up more stunts and games with the other outside linebacker interior D line yeah. to create chaos up close, and the quarterback can't step up into the pocket. I, I mean, obviously, yes. I mean, no question that guys with movement skills and speed to power definitely help with those things. But I also think Joe Tryon is going to change the way that Todd Bulls does some stuff. Um, Joe Tryon Shoenka is just more physically and athletically talented than Shaq Barrett or Jason Pierre-Paul. Like I, I know that some people can say that's hot dick if they want. That's just reality. Like he's he can do stuff one on one when he's as capable as when he gets as technically refined and as well rounded as those guys. He can do stuff and move in ways that those guys aren't going to be able to. We don't. Sure. I mean, you could yeah, you can wait to see him against better players if you want. I understand that. You can be more skeptical than I am. That's totally fine. The Bucks are already thinking what I'm thinking. Like this guy can do stuff that we don't have people in our building that can do this kind of stuff um, physically and athletically. So that is going to make things interesting for Todd Bowles. Uh, you know, Shaq Barrett, 19 half sack season or whatever it was. Like obviously an awesome season, no question about it. Like no doubt about it. I've been a Shaq Barrett fan. He's a good player for sure. He's a guy that to me, if he starts every year of his career, he averages eight to 10 sacks a season. He might have one season blow up like that 19 and a half or might get another 12 sack season in there. Most years he's an eight to 10 guy. And that's a good play in today's NFL. You kidding me? That's a good player. You can count on that. Mm -hmm. But Shaq Barrett, it needed, if you watch his 19 and a half sacks, a, a good number of those, quite a few of those came off of games and stunts. They got him great looks. They got him great matchups. They got him clean looks. They got him on blocked looks. He finished. He made plays on the ball. He got the ball out. You know, no question. He deserves credit for all those things. But there's always been a schematic element to these things. And there's been like some assisted sacks from Vea. That's not a knock. That's reality for both he and Jason Pierre-Paul. I wouldn't put Jason Pierre-Paul or Shaq Barrett in the top two tiers or top tier, I'm sorry, of edge rushers in the NFL. Guys with physical ability like Tryon Choinka, that's usually where they end up. So we'll see again, TJ Watt, you're talking about guys, Miles Garrett, that have freakish ability like that to bet, to, to burst. Remember, I talk about the four pillars of athleticism, right? The burst, short air explosiveness, speed, ability to maintain that explosiveness over short distances, seven to 10 yards usually. Um, and then the ability to turn the corner without losing speed. Uh, those things are already kind of on display for him. The one we still have to see with Joe Tryonchenka is the ability to change directions. That's the fourth pillar of pass rush athleticism to me. So if he can change directions and we start to see inside counter moves, I don't know, man. I think we're talking about a player who can do a lot of things one-on-one -on -one that JPP and Shaq aren't going to have in their repertoire. I'm not saying that happens week one, but eventually that's going to happen, in my opinion, with him. And when mm. that happens, when he's able to square up guys like Tristan Wirfs did with with Cam Jordan week one, when that's able to happen for Joe Tryon Shrienka, Todd Bowles is going to have to say, I don't need to run as many games. I don't need to do all these kinds of things to get other guys free, to create havoc. I have a pass rusher who changes the game 1v1. By exactly. Game plan. I, right. And in every matchup, I don't think that Shaq Barrett and JPP do that. Some matchups they do. I think there's another level for Tryon Choinka that's beyond those guys. When he gets there, we'll see. Preseason says it's going to be early. We'll see. Obviously, he's better competition to go up against, so we've got some things to learn still. Unlike with Werfs, where he came out week one and he was putting the clamps on Cam Jordan. Mm. I texted Scott Reynolds. I think this guy could be like the best tackle in the league. Like I know that's week one. I'm not, I didn't put that in the story, but you can ask Scott. I told him like right away. I just said like you just see guys move and you see the way they play and you're just like yeah, I mean it's special. Um, so I, that's going to be something. It's a good question by Long Lost Geyser because I think we'll get to the point where that's a, that's a conversation we've got to talk about for sure. 
Yeah, and I mean, if even if you listen to the top 100 player list, you know, one of the things they say about Shaq is you look at his body, you look at his frame, you know, you look at, you know, 6'2". I mean, he doesn't have the prototypical <laughs> anything. He just gets it done with hard work and hustle. And I mean, know, JPP doesn't lift weights. Like, <laughs> you know, Shaq Barrett, I don't know if he lifts weights. They're, yeah. I mean, whatever they do works for him, no question, but... Yeah, but I agree. J- JTS, I think he's going to be one of those game guys if he continues this development and we get to see it against you know top competition. It's going to be a game planner. The offensive coordinators are going to have to game plan around where's this guy going to be and you know give tackles extra help. And I, I I agree with you. I don't think that's necessarily what offensive coordinators are going to say. Okay, we got to figure out where Shaq and JPP are on every play. JTS, I think, is a guy that could potentially be that. Where is this guy going to be on every play? And right. you got to know. And I'm not trying to, you know, people are saying you know, some comps for him. If I get into comps at all, people are going to lose their minds if I say comps. Like, because people don't understand. There's no, I don't do one-to-one comparisons, really. Like, I just do, this player reminds me of the way he moves, the way he uses his hands, you know, things like that. Some people say, and he reminds him of, you know, Bosa. Uh, to me, the difference is Bosa, all, he knew right away how to work inside counter moves. Like, he knew right away when it was time to get inside of a tackle. And that's something Tryon will still have to learn. You know, Tryon Chuenka isn't quite there yet in terms of getting to that wow. apex and then recognizing I'm coming back inside of you. Or maybe he knows it and he just hasn't pulled it out of the bag yet. I mean, I, it's certainly possible. With his explosiveness, that's not going to take him very long to add to his arsenal. But Bosa was, like, so sophisticated right away that I would say that was the big difference. He could he could bowl and get inside of tackles. He could spin and get inside of tackles. He knew how to set up inside rushes too, which inside rushes are the fastest path to the quarterback, right? Closest difference between or distance between two straight points or two points is a straight line. That's like mm. the same principle. You don't have to go around anybody to get him if you so the fact that he can that Bosa could do that right away was what made him pretty special, in my opinion. Um, some good questions though about who I would comp him to. I, I don't know. Do you have a take on this, JC? I mean, you watch some players around the league too, but I, I don't I don't want to get crazy with people, but like no, yeah, I mean I, I don't want to set expectations. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to set expectations too high or too low. I just think, you know, you, his versatility too is what what he can do. I mean, we've seen him, we've seen him stun as an inside linebacker already. We've seen him down, you know, with his hand in the dirt. We've seen him line up in the as an interior defensive lineman in in, in practice. So we've seen the guy do a bunch of different things. Do I think that? I need to see more against better competition before I say, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be like Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa or one of the top pass rushers in the league. Um, do I think he's got that ability based off what I've seen so far, if he can refine some things and continue to work on his technique and, and you know, get, you know, his array of pass rush moves and continue, as, you know, John has said, not just get uh, build his array, but also learn how to set guys up and when to use them. I think he could be a top 10 edge rusher in the league, you know? just based off what we've seen, but I'm not going to get crazy in the comps. I, okay. I figured out how, I, I, figured out how I want to say it. I figured out how I want to say it. It's <laughs> not a do it. comparison. They're going to hold you to it. If you look at the top pass rushers in the NFL right now, and you look at the top tier and you say, which guy could Joe try on showing stylistically, if he reaches that level of success, what, which of these guys will he look the most like if he does that? The answer into my mind, in my mind is not T.J. Watt, although there's something there, but not T.J. Watt, even though I've compared their college tenures and falls in their in their draft positions. It's not the Bosa brothers because they are he's already he's more explosive than those guys, you know, but they're just so sophisticated in terms of their technique. Uh, Nick might be as explosive. I mean, Nick's explosive. Joey's just so such a technician. Um, it's not Khalil Mack. Um, you know, it's not Khalil Mack, in my opinion, different body types, different rush plans. Mac again, speed to power, you know, edge rip, those kind of things. Try on, there might be more in the bag there eventually, but try it's Max. I love the build up. Well, I mean, the most, the guy that physically, if he, if he reaches that top tier of edge rush, so the guy that he's going to look the most stylistically like is Miles Garrett because they're both huge. They're both freaks. They're both long. They're both absolutely ripped up and shredded. So physically, you already have those comparisons. Garrett is bigger for sure, but the ability to be that big and long and bend without losing speed the way those guys do. Just you don't have guys like that, really. Like, they can do that. Like, the Bosas are great, but they don't ha- they can't bend like those guys can and finish. Um, you know, so it does. they have other things, though they're better in other ways. Um, and, again, there's the whole, like, three playing three downs type of thing. But, yeah, if he reaches that top-tier echelon of edge rusher, it'll be because he develops similarly to Garrett because they're freakish. And Kane, Kane is exactly right here. 
JTS's opt-out helped the Bucs tremendously. The Bucs might never have had a shot at him at 32 had he played. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he did in the year off. I can't wait to get him again to start asking him these questions when we get him for the media because it was whatever he did was crazy. Um, But I want to find out kind of what happened. And I said this way too early this. I think I mentioned on the post-game podcast, but I wonder if he has success if, you know, if guys in the Pac-12 at least where you rush three all the time and you look, I mean, look at Vea. Look at Vea coming out. He didn't have any clue what he was doing as a pass rusher. He's still learning for year four because his college situation didn't teach him, didn't set him up for any type of – he was triple teamed all the time because the way that they rushed in the Pac-12. Uh, you got five, six-man protections against three rushers almost every snap. I mean, talk about – try on Chuenka. He was difficult to evaluate in college because of that. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good comparison right. there. Someone said Simeon Rice. And I, I thought of this the other day too. Don't you think there's some of that, like in terms of the way they move? Yeah, and it's funny because Simeon Rice was over there talking to Joe Tryon yeah. earlier in camp. Oh, Tryon Shoinka, sorry, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and you know, hey, if you ever need anything, give me a call. And you know, d- diagnosing, hey, you kind of do this. And so it's it's funny that he's getting advice from a player that you know he kind of does move a little bit. Like it's funny too because I just looked up Joe Tryon's name on Twitter and it's already trending. Ledger thinks Tryon is Miles, the next Miles Garrett. So. Get out of here. <laughs> It's it's already trending. So I'm not, I didn't do it. Listen, I will say I will say that I think that's the best way to look at some of these comps, right? You're saying like, what can a player be at his best? Who will he look like stylistically? Like you could do that with a lot of guys in this draft. You know what I mean? Who are they going to look like if they reach their peak? You know, you could do that with guy like uh, Peyton Turner. You know, could he be? Some people have said Class Campbell. I don't know if I see that, but you you, you could do that with. Jason away, like Dan- Danelle Hunter has gotten a lot of comparisons, not only because of the college production, but they move kind of similarly and look pretty similarly and tested pretty, you know, so there's a lot of that going on. Like if they reach their peak, nobody, you know, but that's, that's their kind of high end comparison. And so, you know, I, I mean, Miles Garrett could be the best defensive player in the league, you know, other than Aaron Donald. So, I mean, I mean, I don't know if he'll get to that point or not. It's way too early to say that, but I'm just saying stylistically, like that's the guy, if he reaches that level of play that like, because of the way that, Again, not many guys can burst, bend, and power the way those three can at that kind of size. You know, and Garrett, I believe, is bigger than than Tryon. Even Tryon's cut lost weight from college. I don't think he could carry Garrett's weight and move like Garrett does. So, if you want to give Garrett that more of a freak label, absolutely. I mean, Garrett's the biggest freak in the league, but the results end up kind of bearing itself out in terms of the way they move and finish. Um, so, it'll be fun. We get to watch uh, Joe Tryon Shoyinka against. Um, against obviously better competition. I believe he'll mm. get in there early in the game. Um, Arians oh. has gotten to the point where he's not even fielding questions about him after the game. He's like, yeah, the standard is the standard for Joe <laughs> Tryon. That's basically what he said. I'm yeah. like, it's his second preseason game, <laughs> and we're already at the point where he's just like, I'm not going to blow this I'm guy not, up anymore. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I love, yeah, like, come on. I love how you said better comp. Is it better? Is it better competition? Is it? Well, Laramie Tunsil might get out there, right? Okay. I don't, know. He, okay, I don't yeah. even know who. Is he opting out of the year just because he looked at his roster? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I wouldn't blame him. I mean, I mean yeah. It's uh, gonna we be will talk more about that, Houston. though. Wednesday's show, we'll have, I'll have some thoughts on that because they need to come out swinging against the Texans, this Bucks team. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about today's practice a little bit uh, because we have other – I know I've gushed about Joe Tryon. I love edge rushers. So I did want to be gushing a little bit on this show, JC. So I apologize. Hopefully I kept it together in an adequate sense. Yeah. Besides, you know, comparing Joe Tryon to Miles Garrett. Not, do not put that clip you out there. That's first. Not you heard it first. You're going to edit this clip down and just take out all my, you know, asterisk words and just throw it out there. That Let's talk about Spotify Green Room. What's happened in the world of Spotify Green Room these days, JC? We haven't talked much about them, but with the season coming up again, it's time yeah. to start plugging Spotify Green Room again. Absolutely. We're going to start doing weekly shows there, whether I'm hosting them, whether John's hosting them, whether they're hosting them together, whether Matt's in on them too. We're going to start getting out there, taking all your questions. It'll kind of be like an in-person mailbag, right? So, you know, but more than that, you guys can come up on stage and talk to us. It's a great app, social audio app that's changing the way people can converse all over the world. I uh, don't want to talk about, you know, movies, sports, music anything current events uh it's a great place to get on there and connect with people uh you know not just that but also uh promote your own own work or anything that's going on that you're doing and also just network as well so um definitely check that out go in there join the conversation tap in to spotify green room uh and really look out for our pewter report shows 
Go type us in the search bar, follow us, add us, add myself. And whenever we go live, you'll get a notification and we can hop on in there and we can talk bucks, talk whatever, talk NFL. We did a lot of that stuff uh, prior to the draft and stuff like that. So whatever you guys want to talk about, any questions you have, dial in when you see us in and, and we'll get after it. Absolutely. No question about it. Um, it's a, it's a way to go for sure is to check out Spotify green room. There's a lot of great conversations happening there. All right. So bucks practice today. I'll pull up my notepad. Oh, wait, I know what I want to lead with OJ Howard dropped two passes. <laughs> oh no, he didn't. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I never want to, I never want to kick a dude when he's down. Like that's, it's kind of stuff starts to go without saying, but there's, I mean, he's just not there right now. Um, so hopefully he gets it back. Good thing for him is that anything they Bucks get from Joe J. Howard this season is totally ancillary. They've already got one of the best number two tight ends in the league in Cam Braid, uh, one of the best starters. <laughs> with O.J. Howard this season is icing on the cake for the Bucks. But for O.J. Howard, who I really like, and I think everybody in the Bucks media really likes, and he has been gracious with his time. He knows what is said about him. He stands up there. He looks in the eye. He gives good answers. Um, he's not backed down from anything that's, that's come his way. He's not made excuses. Um, just would be nice to see him catch a break for once, come back from this injury and get sharp again. The difficult thing too, is it, it's not the way he's moving. Cause I think he's moving all right. It's the hands. And what makes it even more frustrating is, you know, when we are at practice together, um, you know, whether I'm with John or whether I'm with Matt, one of those, one of you guys go off and you do the interviews. Well, I hang that back after practice a little bit before walking off because I want to see who's doing what after practice, who's taking the extra time. And every single practice, OJ Howard is out there on the jugs machine yeah. catching 50 to 100 balls. And the fact that he's dropping these catches, and we heard Bruce say the other day, it's just, you know, what can you do about the drops? Just the jugs machine. Well, he's doing the jugs machine, and he's still dropping the ball. So I don't know if it's lack of concentration, if he's mm -hmm. thinking too much about his Achilles while he's moving and running, and that that's you know, or the injury or what what he's thinking about. I don't know. He's got a he's got a uh, a snow roll ice cream named after himself. Maybe he's thinking about getting one of those after practice because it's been so hot out. But whatever it is, it, it's, it's, he's still dropping the ball. So yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, the, I don't the know frustrating how to thing it. with yeah, the frustrating thing with OJ is I don't think it's a lack of work ethic or anything, or I think it's just things that are affecting him right now with the injury. He doesn't feel maybe like he's I don't know. I don't I'm not sure, but it just clearly he's not all there. And so two drops today for him. And I know there's been that's obviously been a struggle for him is catching the football and they're trying to stick by him and support him and um have his back, I think, right now. And maybe that does it. You know, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. We'll see. Um Fournette got the first snap at running back today. Yikes. Um, <laughs> you know, Havinder had a good comment down there. He said, um, you know, especially being in New England, I know this for a fact. I mean, if, if you're out there, um, if you're out there on the field, you need to make the most out of every snap. And Brady has said this. If, you know, he's, he's actually quoted on air with the clip. If you're going to put someone out there and he's not going to not going to do his job, I'm not going to throw the ball to him. So if it becomes an issue when the regular season comes around and he's dropping dropping passes, Brady's going to ignore him. He's not going to look his way, and it's just going to happen. And you know he'll see less and less playing time, especially with a guy like Cam Brady who can go out there and get the job done. So I mean, yeah, that's he he might see less playing time. I actually totally disagree with the idea that Brady won't throw. I mean, look at last year. Like how many times he throw Rojo and Leonard the ball and they <laughs> put it on the ground. I mean, like but it's a running back. I mean, they're yeah. kind of. I mean. I, I think Brady's going to, if you're in the pro, if you are open by the structure of the play, Brady's going to throw to you. I don't care if your name's Gunnar Olszewski or whatever that guy's name was for the. Uh, you put for some the respect Patriots. on his name. <laughs> Gunner, Gunner, whatever Gunner's last name was. And um, I, him, I don't care. If Chris Hogan, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Randy Moss, like, if you're open in the play, I think he's going to throw the ball to you. Like, he does not care what your name is. Um, you know, and, and I think he trusts whoever the coach has put on the field. He plays by the system. Other quarterbacks maybe would matter with. Now, Brady is probably accurate when he tells you that, like, he wants – like, if you're not doing your job, he's not going to throw you the ball because if you're not doing your job, you're probably not open. And so there is probably some of that to it, but I I think Brady just plays within whatever he's supposed to do on a given play given what the defense is showing him. So I think he will get opportunities from Brady if he plays. I just don't know what to expect right now. It's, it's the every ball is an adventure ball to O.J. Howard right now. Could he be a surprise trade candidate at cut down time? No. Nope. I don't no? think so. No. Because – I hits, don't think so either. Just posing the question. Yeah. No, it's not a bad question. I, Six million dollars due. I mean, yeah. contract year. So what What are you trading him for right now? You got like, a fourth-round pick for him next year. Would you turn that down? Achilles, 
I, you're not going to get a fourth though. I I mean, often Achilles with nothing like to show for it since yeah. no real tangible. Now, before the trade deadline, if something happens, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. Um, it's too early to say that. We have to see if yeah, it comes back. But you don't want to trade him when his stock's down, you know, especially when you feel like depth is really valuable to you right now with all everything going on. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's dumb for you to pose it at all. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think it's going to – I don't think it's going to happen before the season starts. Like, would shock me. Um, Conversation. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. I mean, he, his whole career arc has been – I mean, I swear if you watch when he was – healthy like year two like i it looked like he was about to take over like he's about to be the next guy like the next waller type of player um uh some other interesting things from today's practice guess who was so with new and dominican sue and um and dominican sue and steve Clinton were excused from practice um and today and so vita Vey was a starting nose tackle will golston was in there on the starting defensive line guess who was your other star was it was it POC? Fat O'Connor, baby. Whoa. Over Nacho at the three technique spot is pretty interesting to me. Yeah. Well, he had a game, man. He had a game the I other think night. I think they're ready for Pat O'Connor time, baby. I think they're ready. They want to see. I mean, I rewatched the tape. His first step. Oh, my goodness. Josh, it was crazy. Like, he was explosive. Um, didn't you compare him to Miles Garrett, too? <laughs> no, I didn't. I did text you guys. I said, didn't expect to see Pat O'Connor looking like Grady Jarrett out here. Oh, Grady Jarrett. That's what it is. Miles Garrett, Grady gracious. Jarrett. <laughs> he had some steps where he was beating all the offensive linemen off the ball, like, early yeah, in the yeah. game. Like, it was what, crazy. Do you, do you think he was anticipating snap count? Or, I mean, because we haven't seen that. That's why practice. I said early in the game, because usually later that can be. But it was like the first drive, and he was jumping guys off the ball. Like I was. They did practice together all week, though. I mean. That's true. Maybe that helped. I don't know. Yeah, I have no clue. Um, but regardless, he looked great. I mean, he had, what, two tackles, for a loss, a big sack. Could have had two more tackles. Was in the backfield yeah. the two or three other times. Was kind of getting blocked trying to make a tackle. Same as last week. I mean, his tackle grade for PFF is terrible, but everything else is like elite right now. Because he missed like four tackles for a loss in the backfield. At what <laughs> point he... do we stop putting stock? I mean, I on some of PFF's preseason stuff. I mean, come on. I mean, uh, it, there's aspects that are good. You have to look at sample size too. They, they would tell you that too. They're like, oh well, this guy's a, like Devin White. You know, grade was blah, whatever the other day, but it was six snaps. It's like, oh well, they'd say <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Sample size is everything to them. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest when I disagree with them too. Like, you know, but. Try, I mean, O'Connor, I get. I mean, they've graded him really, really high because he's played unbelievable. So, yeah, he was out there with that group. And then you had your second team O-line. Uh, you had uh, Hainsey out there at center today. And you had Stinney and Wells, the law firm, on the right side. You had Wells playing right tackle today. And hmm. Leverett and Seton playing on the left side today. Uh, Leverett back at guard. Back at guard. So, finally – at a home, <laughs> he guy. wasn't bad at center. His snaps were bad, but the rest of it wasn't that bad at center. So he had like two or three bad snaps. Yeah. I don't think it was totally. It was like they were all just slow. They were all like real lob slow shots. So that kind of threw off timing. But that's, I mean, he, I mean, if you're asking him to play center in a game, you've got like significant issues. Right <laughs> yeah, <now. laughs> like yes. five, like you lost five centers today. Yeah, you lost. Yeah, everyone's yeah. down. Jensen, Marpet, Stinney. You're you're really scrambling at that point. That's right, absolutely. And uh, Long Lost Glazer, shout out and congrats to PR alum at PFF Cincinnati Sycama. No question about it, Long Lost Glazer. Great stuff to see Trevor heading over to PFF doing big things. Excited for him. Cannot believe that man is about to live in Cincinnati. And not going to lie, I think it's a little bit funny, but <laughs> Trevor in a northern cold city like Cincinnati is hilarious to me because – for years on the podcast, he would rip me for living outside of Pittsburgh. And now, oh, how the turns have tabled. <laughs> and even, I mean, Pittsburgh is a little better than Cincinnati. I mean. A little, a lot better. <laughs> what are you? No. <laughs> a lot better. But I got to let people know about another thing that Trevor could be involved in a little bit, too. I'm still talking to him about it, but I think he could be involved in the new Pewter Report. Oh, let me get that comment out of here. So. See what I have up on the screen here. The new Pewter Report, Pewter Game Days, Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, Bucks, Texans. We are doing a Pewter Game Day live stream during the game. It's live in-game commentary on our YouTube channel from myself, other Pewter reporters, and special guests. 
this Saturday when the game starts, actually a few minutes before the game starts, will be live. You can watch the whole thing live on pewterreport.com. So yes, subscribe to Pewter Report TV and you can click that bell to get the notifications for when we go live. But we are going to be live during the entirety of the game, offering live analysis and commentary on what you're watching on your TV screen. So you're going to be able to watch and have us on giving you kind of commentary, not dissimilar from the coaches room. If you've seen them before on uh, on the ESPN channels when they do the college football championship and things like that, we're going to be offering some things like that. You're going to have expert analysis. You're going to have X's and O's people on here. You're going to have analytics people on here. We're going to get injury updates on players and give them to you live, things like that. And we're also going to still have that Pewter Report postgame podcast one hour later. So the whole thing's going to be broadcast on pewterreport.com. It's going to be a ton of fun. You can watch it on there. It's Pewter Game Day, and it starts this Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern when the Bucks play the Texans. We are very, very excited about it. This is something that we are hoping to do a lot this season, maybe every game this season. We'll see. Uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff in store for you. So, again, Pewter Game Day. Make sure you're subscribed. Hit the bell to get the notifications for when we go live. Watch it on pewterreport.com so you can help us out in that way. But also spread the word. Tell people. We'll talk about it on the podcast every day. In your family, tell them about Pewter Game Day. Send them the link to everything. Make sure they know and they're set up to be able to watch us and enjoy the game with that kind of commentary and get answers while the broadcast is happening. Going to be a lot, a lot of fun. So I'm excited to see some of y'all being excited about that. Um, and uh, I think if we if we can get a good turnout, y'all can keep spreading the word. We're going to be able to do this something like this a lot for y'all, and we're going to bring in some big time fun guests as well uh, to join in on the action. It's going to be. A great time we've got all kinds of stuff lined up and in store for you it's going to be a ton of fun so we're Absolutely. looking forward to that um we've talked a lot about joe try and Shoinka today we've talked about other things from practice I think i've kind of looked through my notes you had some thoughts you wanted to say you had some observations on bruce arian's comments after today's practice before we get out of here for this podcast yeah so he was asked directly if you know any positions with depth would compel him to carry more players you know such as wide receivers so you're deep at wide receiver would you want to carry seven or you know and and he 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 said, you know, we'd keep eight receivers and be happy as hell, but you know we'd be short at other positions. The thing that really caught my attention was he said there're going to be ten of them one way or another, whether it's ten b ten dBs or ten linebackers. Special teams is going to decide all that. Now take it as you will, but when we're trying to analyze who's going to make the final roster, that's kind of a little telling. I mean, wouldn't you say? I mean, you know, 10 linebackers or 10 TBs. So so really they're looking at either keeping, you know, six and four at cornerback or five and five. You know, so just trying to come come up with a way to make this roster make sense with either 10 DBs or 10 linebackers. I mean, you're looking at do they keep do they keep an extra outside linebacker and two inside linebackers over? I don't know. I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting comment to look at and say, okay, how is this roster going to be constructed with the players that are currently on it? Yeah, I am trying to figure out how Travis Johnson makes it and Grant Stewart makes it. And that would assume that KJ Brady, who's played over him the entire way, makes it. And does Joe Jones not make it then? Like, maybe not. I mean, he's certainly not been impressive. Neither is KJ Britt. So outside linebacker too. I and mean, then, and and then, do you? I mean, four are there. Even if you say, okay, we're going forward outside linebacker Cam Gills, we're going to wave him and get him on IR, or whatever. But then, is Antonio Hamilton really not making this roster because he's been really good? Like, are you going to just eight eight DBs or I seven DBs? Delaney in there too? And Bruce Arians uh -huh. loves him. I, you know, so six corners and three safeties. You know, and you just. That's possible. That that might be likely at this point. Um, I mean, but that's only nine. So I mean, if he's doing right. ten DBs, you'd be keeping probably four safeties, six corners, and then how do you? I mean, he want he wants to keep a ninth lineman. It's just trying to figure out the roster constructions with that statement. I was like, ah, I you don't can't <laughs> because Arians is full of Arians. Arians don't think about all those details, man. He just says numbers and things, and then next time <laughs> he'll be like. Yeah, no, we're not keeping 10. Yeah, I mean, he'll act like, yeah, I never said that. You know, like, I never said, what are you talking about? <laughs> he doesn't care how it sounds in retrospect. He just says what's on his mind at those moments. But no, I, you're right. I mean, it was an interesting statement for sure. And now it'll be I mean, how it shakes out at the bottom of the roster is pretty fascinating to me because I think Antonio Hamilton absolutely deserves to make it. I mean, he has played really well. And so has D Delaney lately, to be honest. I mean, not as well, but there's been some good things. Um, oh, yeah. So uh it'll be. 
His comments too, you know, there's three or four guys still competing for a spot. So you gotta you look at the bottom of the roster and say, okay, who are those guys? And they're still open to competition. And you know, for me, I thought Javon Hagen had that four safety spot wrapped up until Chris Cooper has been getting all the praise now for his special teams work. And we know special teams the way is the way to make it. So you know, just trying to figure out who these last three to four guys are is is still a, a bit of a challenge. You know, yeah. But Chris I, Chris Cooper should have had a pick today, by the way. Jumped oh. a route from Blaine Gabber, went right through his hands, but good play. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, it's it's first and second team against like third string D now because it's like in preparation for the season. Yeah. So there weren't a lot of observations from practice, but Blaine throwing one through a third string DB's hands was definitely one of the <laughs> takeaways. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. So you're right. Interesting comment from Marion's, no question about it. Uh, we've got more of those to get to, I'm sure, as the show progresses throughout the week. Tomorrow we'll be back at our regularly scheduled 4 p.m. Eastern time slot. Uh, we'll have thoughts and analysis from a little bit from practice from Arians' comments after practice. Uh, but practices are starting to go into regular season mode, so we're only seeing the first half hour now. And so we'll have a little bit from practice and injuries and things like that, but mostly from whatever they're saying. And then we'll get back to our topics. We're previewing Saturday's game on Wednesday, just like we would a regular season game. Scott and I are doing just like we did last year, if you all were here, like the in-depth thorough previews. We're talking about that stuff, the biggest battles to watch for rosters. We're getting into all that stuff on Wednesday. Thursday, we'll have guests on as we did last year. We're going to have one on this week as well. I'll let you know a little bit later who that guest is. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're, uh, we are uh, excited about the shows this week. And then, as I said, Saturday, we'll have the live in-game stream. Tell your friends and family. Tell oh, yeah. everybody to watch over at PeterReport.com. And then after the game, about 45 minutes to an hour after the game, We'll have the Pewter Report podcast with the PR staff breaking everything down in the final assessment of that game. So until then, thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out!